This morning, as we look to God's word, I do not want this to, uh, this may turn out to be a biblical rant on womanhood. Um, I don't necessarily want that to happen, but as I uh, think about the world that we live in and what this day is, um, a lot of uh, encouragement I want for you ladies, Um, not just encouragement because you need it, uh, because it's tough being a mom, tough being a woman, but uh, because of the world that we live in, it's tough. And uh, today we're talking really about God's plan and design for uh, womanhood or motherhood. Uh, but I, I want you to know at the beginning, and I, I want you to, to see the stark contrast because I think it's important for you to remember as a woman and as a man, uh, as a mom and a grandma, but also as a father husband, a grandfather, but also if you're young and you're not even married or you, you haven't even thought of these things for you to know these things because it's important, um, that God has a plan uh, for each person and he has a design for women and mothers, but the world also has a plan uh, for women and mothers. It's not the same plan. It's not. And I, I would even say this, that the world doesn't have a plan uh, for mothers and women. It, it doesn't. The enemy has a plan for women and mothers. And it's in stark contrast to God's design and his plan for women and mothers. Today, in our culture today, um, and, and people have said for years, really uh, all my life as I have grown as a Christian, been raised in the church, they say there's an attack on the family. There's an attack on the family, or there's an attack on marriage, or there's an attack on kids. And that's not really true. That's not really true. It's just collateral damage, right? Um, there, there's an attack. The enemy's attack is on God himself, the creator. And just because God has created man and woman, the family, children, Uh, they become the collateral damage or the target uh, of the attacks that are coming. Today, the enemy is uh, attacking and bringing confusion uh, against all, especially the young, uh, claiming to them that women can be men and men can be women. You, You can be different than your body suggests that God created you. You can be whatever you want or whatever you feel like you are. You can, if you're a man, you can be a woman. And if you're a woman, you can be a man. Or you can be both. Or you can be neither. This is an attack on the Creator. There's a rejection of uh, the idea of God at all. the rejection of, as you read the scripture, uh, God created uh, man, woman, and, and he created them for relationship with himself. And it was good for a woman to have a relationship with her father, God. It was good for her to be saved by the man, Jesus Christ. There's a tack on that. There's a rejection because God is a father and Jesus is a male. Forget him. Who needs him? There's a rejection of the idea that women need men at all for anything. That men are to be competed with, uh, not to be a a complement or a counterpart to. 
And then even this last week of uh, the leaking of the possibility that the Supreme Court of the United States is going to overturn, at least partially, the Roe versus Wade uh, decision that we've uh, dealt with for the last 50 years and how many aborted babies have happened because of this cultural norm and law that has been upheld for these many years. And, and you've got to ask the question in our culture where uh, the overturning of a law like this makes so many people lose their minds and head to the streets saying, we've got to be able to kill more babies. We've got to have the rights that we might kill more babies. What is that? It's the plan of the enemy. Attack on the creator. The rejection of God. And in all this, the rejection of the value of babies. The idea that a baby is not a gift from God. That children aren't a blessing. They're not to be valued. This is the world's plan for women And better said, the enemy's plan for women. So this morning, I want to start with and just talk about what the scripture says, what God has said. And and for us to understand that uh, this morning, I'm not focusing on women. I'm not even focusing on, on mothers. But I'm focusing on the creator that we might know, that we might know. His design plan, his treasure, his value, uh, that we might all be uh, recalibrated in this wicked world that we live in. Let me pray for us all now as we look to God's word. God, thank you uh, for not leaving us alone. God, you did not create us and, and wind us up. You didn't leave this to chance. This just didn't happen. This is part of your beautiful design and creation. Uh, your church... For men, for women, for motherhood, the generations. And God, and may we this morning uh, joyfully and excitedly and, and in worship as we look to you, what you have done, that we would rejoice in how good you've been and how uh, wise and beautiful the plan of the generations are. Uh, God, we, we ask that uh, no matter what the world says, that we would follow after you, that we would embrace our roles and our place in this time, in this place, in this generation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, and these are some things that I love. These are some things that I, I, I want to keep coming back to. In fact, this might be Mother's Day greatest hits. Uh, if you look back on what I've talked about in the years past, Uh, This might be the greatest hits, and so we will go um, quickly, uh, but I think these are the building blocks for all of us to know uh, about women, about motherhood, about what that looks like and how uh, God created. We do start with this first piece of, it's women from start to finish, is that God created the idea of a woman, uh, th- this isn't, you, you know, I, I remember, um, I, I thought it was funny back in the day. It's not so funny anymore. 
I remember in Santa Barbara where I grew up, there was a, a store in the mall, the outdoor mall, the Coomba Plaza. It was Gap. And uh, me and my buddies used to go in there and, and we thought we were really funny. And we would say, which is the men's section? Because you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Um, and we thought that was really funny. And now we live in a world where you can't tell where the men's section is. And it's because, uh, it's not, I'm not here to talk about clothing today, but it's because there is this idea that there is no distinction. There's nothing different between a man and a woman. And yet you look to God's word at the beginning, the the first pages, right? Uh, As you look at, um, I already think that I made a mistake for you, Larry. It's chapter two, chapter two. If you look at chapter 2 of Genesis, and, and you see that chapter 1 goes through the creation, the, the, the days of creation, and then in chapter 2 you have a, a, a distinction or, or maybe a focus on uh, this special creation of woman. And, and I, I think it's important to highlight in verse 18 of chapter 2, God's word says this. Then, God, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Uh, as you look to this section of scripture, you see the goodness of God, the goodness of his creation, the, uh, how amazing it is, and, and how God did these amazing things that no one else could create, no one else could do, and he created each one of these things. But then he said, he, he said of his creation, there was one thing that was not good. There's many funny funny things you can say at a time like this. It's not good for a man to be alone. Uh, Have you ever gone to a a dormitory, college campuses, men's dorm? It's awful. It's awful. People shouldn't live like that. Some of you say, I've never been there. Some of you are are prison workers. It's kind of like that. You know, it's kind of a mess. Um, It's not good for man to be alone. In verse 18, it says, I I will make uh, him a helper fit for him. And the idea is this idea of compliment. And it goes on to say a helper in in this passage. And and this idea is that I'm going to make one for him and for each other. But there will be this, these different but coming together and fitting a purposeful that this is not good to be alone. And so there will be this partner, this helper, this fit for them. They'll come together and it will be the completion of creation. Uh, Not good. I think that should stand out in your mind as you see this, that there was something that was not good. And when it became good is when Eve was created. When it became good is when Eve was created. But there was something not good, and so there needed to be a counterpart, and it was designed by God, purposeful, that he created woman. And I'll just uh, move on by saying this. The world wasn't perfect until Eve showed up. The world wasn't perfect until Eve showed up. Thank you, Eve. Uh, <laughs> Um, I didn't see who that was. I didn't look up. 
And I, I want you to get that. I think that it's so often that we look at the idea of marriage and saying, you know, uh, and we follow along with the cultural norm of saying, you know, hey, uh, men, live your life. Do whatever you want. And that when you're tired of doing everything that you want and you've gotten all your bucket list completed, find somebody that you can tolerate for a while and then get married. It's not God's plan. It's not God's plan. That there's a, a search and a design that man is not complete and, and you're looking for that which completes you. And just as Adam was not good alone, he found, he didn't find Eve. He, she was the only woman in the world, by the way. Uh, I need to stop this and just move on. But anyways, um, this idea that she was the perfect counterpart for him. And I want to tell you that marriage is uh, not easy It is tough, but it is God's design that man would not be alone, nor woman, and that they would come together um, as God created them to be. They were created by God. Secondly, if you turn over to Psalm 139, um, that, that, and I I feel, you know, this is maybe getting into the biblical rant part. Um, uh, Women were created to give birth created to give birth. And I I don't say that that all women give birth. I I, I say that as only women give birth. Only. I I know that in our world today, and this goes back to the confusion piece, right? That uh, men can think that they are women. And women can think that they are men. And just because a woman thinks she is a man does not negate the fact that she could give birth, though thinking she is a man. It's clear. Uh, In Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14, in this beautiful passage, beautiful, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Uh, Women here today, uh, young girls, uh, you can easily get sucked into our culture and say it's a man's world, that God only cares about men, and that women are somehow second-class citizens to men. It's not true. It's not true. It's different. It's different. I want to point something out. I want all you ladies to get this. I want you men to get it too. Um, That really the crown of his creation was humans, people. Jesus came to redeem people, mankind. Every person who is born, born of a woman. Every one of them. You look at, at the scriptures and you, you start in the, you know, uh, in, in the, you, who's the first special birth, right? Eve. Eve is the first mother, right? And then you, you say, well, you know, who are some of the other highlights? Who are some of the other highlights? You, you have Eve. You go on, you see Sarah. Uh, Sarah gave birth to Abraham, the, the father of the nations, Sarah wasn't Abraham. Uh, you, you look at uh, that special relationship and you see Sarah being the one to give birth. 
you see Eve, you see Sarah. In the New Testament, you, you see John the Baptist being born through Elizabeth and then through Mary, the mother of our Lord. You look at that and you say, that's peculiar that, that men were not the highlight in that. It was the birth of, uh, from a woman. And I know that sounds so obvious, and it is so obvious. But, but if you think about God's special praiseworthy work of creation, I, I, think, I think of these uh, small babies, and I, I think it's good for us to see small babies because they're so magnificent. Sometimes I get distracted around here. I don't know if you saw my grandson come in, and he's too cute. Like, there's just no way around it, and uh, I'm thrilled with him. Uh, I won't say he's cuter uh, than your grandson. I won't say it. <laughs> I won't say it. Um, but, but God's praiseworthy work of babies is centered upon the woman, the mother. Think about that. And you, you say, well, you know, I, I don't get to do this or I don't get to do that. Uh, men don't get to have babies either. And I know, realize, I realize some of you are like, well, they couldn't do it anyways. And, you know, it's too tough and it's too hard and they you know, can't even handle a cold and uh, various other things. And I, I want you to know that all, all that aside, God chose women as that special place, that person, uh, to deliver his special work, his creation of babies. And to do that, that, that work that it says in Psalms that I just read, uh, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. The work of God of knitting goes on in you, ladies. So you see, uh, you were created by God. You were created to give birth. And it's not that everyone gets to give birth. And I, I know that there's some heavy hearts here today of uh, lost opportunities and disappointments. And I, I just want to, I wanted to say this earlier. I didn't put it in my notes, but ladies, today is not a day for you to reflect on your failures. It's not. Today is a day for you to rejoice in the grace of God, that God still has you in the game, that he still has you here, that the mere fact that you're depending on him, that you're a part of his church, that you want to, that you want for those next generations, that's the grace of God. And I want to tell you, there's no day uh, in the past nor in the future where you won't need the grace of God. No no day. Um, And so, anyways, uh, created to give birth. Thirdly, uh, we are created... Uh, ladies were created to teach about God, teach about God. I, w- I want to show this to you because I think it's very important as, as we see this. And it's not just ladies, but there's a special relationship between uh, mothers and their children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 say, say, says this. And these words that I command to you today uh, shall be on your heart You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk uh, of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. What a beautiful picture, right? Uh, First, knowing them, knowing them, knowing about God and his, uh, the things that he says and does, and then teaching them, teaching them diligently. Uh, I want to tell you, I want to make a, a a very distinct point because I think it's important right here. This does not mean homeschooling. It doesn't. 
It does not. This means is more important than homeschooling. Some of you are gasping right now. You know, <gasps> did he say it? Yes, I said it. It means that for you, for you, for parents, this idea is that in all times of life, whether school's in session or it's not, the most important thing that you're teaching your kid is about the, the creator God who loves them so much. They sent his son as a redeemer. It's the most important thing. And when do you do that? Some of you want to have a desk at your house and you say, uh, you sit there in your desk, kid, and I'm going to go to the chalkboard, whiteboard, smart board, dumb board, whatever they call it, and I'm going to teach you about God. But that's not what it says, right? It says teach him diligently. When? All the time. Uh, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and when you're you know, stuck in freeway or when you're uh, on the way to Bakerstown or wherever. It's this idea that we're always looking for opportunity, taking opportunity, that we might teach them about God. It also says in Proverbs thirty-one twenty-six. It's and most of you know where Proverbs 31 is describing uh, uh, the beautiful woman from God's eyes. And, and it says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And, and I, I want you to get this. So it's important that mothers teach their children and are teachers of the commands of God. But, but I want you to know this, that it's not just the command. What are the commands of God? Rules of right and wrong? Like, it's important to teach right and wrong, but more importantly than teaching right and wrong is to teach about the God who decided what's right and wrong. Do you know the difference? Your, your kids should not just know there's a list of rules and God's mad at you if you, don't, if you don't do them. Your kids should know that God loves them so much. And this is his heart. And this is his path of blessing for you. Is that you might obey these commands. This is, this is the good way. This is the right way. This is the healthy way. This is the, the path of success for you. And, and as she continues to teach them, there will be things... Uh, specific things about what God treasures. What does God treasure in Proverbs 31? Uh, Wisdom, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. You you know, uh, I, I, I won't talk about your family. I'll talk about mine. From time to time, rarely, but time to time, especially when the kids were small, every once in a while, they would be unkind to one another. <laughs> Just every once in a while. I'm not talking about your family. I'm talking about mine. What should you do, Mom? You should model and teach kindness. And you should say to your son or your daughter, you should be kind. And you should follow that up with, hasn't God been kind to you? Don't you know that God loved you so much that he sent his son to forgive you of your sins and and this, it's all connected, right? As we worship God, it affects and impacts 
how we live, how we model, but also the importance of teaching. I, I want to tell you, moms and dads, uh, it, it, there's many things to teach, many things. But make sure you teach your kids about God. It's okay if they don't know, know how to swing a hammer. They should, but they, it's okay if they don't. Or swing a bat or a golf club. Or even know about finances. Math. It's more important than math. I, I want to tell you that we would be able, we would be able, our kids would know. What would they know? About the importance of a loving God, the commands he's given, the things of which he treasures. And the picture of son or daughter, this is the life that God loves and has for you. Number four, a mother is created to model joy and hope to her family. Once again, in in Proverbs 31, verse 25, it says, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Now, ladies, I will tell you, this is super hard today, isn't it? How many of you know about the crazy things that are going on in our world right now? How many of you are just oblivious? You have no idea. That's okay if you do. Um, I, I think the more you know about what's going on in our world, the harder it is to look with hope and joy towards the future. I think that uh, uh, most of us grew up in a world where uh, we thought everything was getting better. We thought. Uh, we said, you know, if uh, my parents had this kind of life, I'll just kind of stand on their shoulders and have a better life, and my kids will have it better, and my grandkids will have it better. And I think uh, as we've looked at the world these last couple of years, we've had a dose of reality. This has always been true, but in times of plenty, sometimes we thought these were happy days. There's nothing to worry about. And as we know more, as we hear more of what's going on, there can be a sense of terror at the days ahead and fear. And I want to encourage you moms that you're to model joy and hope for your family. Really for all, but this idea that she laughs at the time to come. I know this is hard, and and I want to encourage you. it's, it's singular in a reason why you can do this, ladies. It's singular. There's only one answer. It's that you know, that you know that God will prevail. That you know that God will prevail. You, you don't know how. You don't know how. I mean, you kind of know how, but you don't really know how. Like, you don't know dates and times and, and you know, God hasn't had a strategy meeting with you you wish he would, but he hasn't had a strategy meeting with you. But because you know what the scripture says, because you know the book of Revelation says, you know that in the end God will prevail. And so you can look at the news, you can look at what's happening and go, that's not going to stop the plan of God. That's not going to ruin God's plans. I don't know how it's going to come about. You look to your kids and go, it's going to be okay. And they go, how is it going to be okay? I don't know. Well, how do you know it's going to be okay? Because I know God is going to prevail. He's going to win in the end. I want to tell you, uh, ladies, it's easy to get caught in the details. 
It's easy to be wound up in the daily drama of life. But for you to be able to look to the future and go, I know God has this and everything else. Number five. Women are created to be beautiful. Created to be beautiful. In 1 Peter chapter 3, speaking of women, and it says this, you should be known, uh, you should be known for the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Think about this, and you know, there, there are ways that men can be beautiful, I guess. Um, it says of the people who bring good news, right? Their feet are even beautiful, right? Uh, but when it speaks of beauty, and when I've experienced beauty in a marriage and in a home, where does it come from? Some of you aren't quick on this. I don't know why. <laughs> you just don't want to confess it, do you? I think of my mom who's passed away, and uh, I remember our home, and, and uh, my mom wasn't, like, really creative. She wasn't, she didn't, she loved beautiful things, but she wasn't this big decorator. And I didn't think much about it. And then she passed away, and we moved my dad over uh, to, uh, to Tehachapi. And I remember walking through his house and going, this place is not beautiful. You know, it's a bachelor pad. You know, it got, has remnants of my mom, but she didn't put these things up. And I, I realized the beauty uh, that a woman brings to a home. But, it, but if you look at this passage, it's not talking about outer beauty. It's talking about beauty from within. That she should be known for this beauty, this beauty that doesn't fade. It's not a posed or touched up Facebook picture. It's not something that she somehow got the right lighting and the right this or the right that. It's the beauty that it comes from within. And, and what is it that gives us two things, this gentle and quiet spirit? And we don't have time this morning to develop that specific, these specific points. But know this, that it is not being a man. It's, it's this, this idea in her relationship with God that there's a, a gentle and quiet spirit, but it's not just between her and God. It's between her and God, and then it flows out in the way she deals with everybody else, including her husband and children. A gentle and quiet spirit. I, I want to tell you, and I want to be careful here um, for obvious reasons, but... But this is not a personality trait, gentle and quiet spirit. I remember there were these uh, girls, we were down in Mexico, and there were these two college girls uh, that were serving in this ministry that we were a part of, and, and they were fun, and uh, they loved God, and uh, they laughed a lot, and they, were, they had some volume to them. They had some volume. And I, I was talking to one of the other leaders, and I said, um, you know, those girls right over there are gentle and uh, quiet spirits in a loud and obnoxious sort of way. Um, I want to tell you, this isn't about uh, the, the volume of your voice and the way you carry yourself, but this is the, the inner person, that way, the way you deal in your relationship with God, that you're humble that you're not bending things to your will. You're not kicking through doors. It's the idea that you love God and you have a relationship, a humble relationship with him 
and that it flows out to your relationship with your husband and your children. A gentle and quiet spirit that once again knows that God is in control. Knows that, that you don't have to uh, uh, beat things to a pulp to make them happen. But that you can trust God and that you can wait for his patience. All in good time. All in good time. I, I, want, I want to point out one thing here. And, and once again, this goes back to created to be beautiful. Um, what does it say at the end of that verse? which is so precious to God. It's what God wants. I want to tell you, ladies, uh, don't seek to um, get a life that you want. Seek to have a life that God has for you, what is precious to him. And, and you should teach that to your kids, and your husband should desire that as well, that, that we should all be submitting our pictures and plans to what God wants for us. Number six, uh, to be created to be a model and a transferer of faith. It's probably not the best way to say it, but I, I'll get there, okay? Second Timothy 1, 5. And I want to say it like this. Faith to faith to faith. Faith to faith to faith. Uh, as uh, Paul was addressing Timothy, he says, um, he says this. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Whose faith? Timothy's faith. A faith that w- dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Did you see that? Faith to faith to faith. I find it interesting um, who impacted Timothy's life? It wasn't his grandfather. At least Paul didn't know of his grandfather. It wasn't even his father. Paul didn't mention that guy. Where was that guy anyway? It was his mother. His mother. She changed the world. I, I don't want to even say she changed the world. She changed all of history. When was the Bible written? When was this page written? And this eternal word that God has given us has these two ladies marked in it. And what were they? What was this powerful position that they did? They were the president of what? Nothing. They were just a mom and a grandma. Just a mom and a grandma. Nothing important. Was to Timothy. I want you ladies to think right now. Who are you? Who are you? Are you Eunice? Are you Lois? What's your role right now? And, and some of you are sitting here today. You say, well, I, I'm, new to, I'm new to faith, and my mom didn't know the Lord, and so I, I don't know how to do this. I want to tell you, you're Eunice then, right? You say, well, I haven't had any kids. I want to tell you, you you're Eunice, and you're going to have Lois, right? And as these go, I got that mixed up. Sorry, you're Lois. And you're you're going to have Eunice. And maybe Eunice is going to have Timothy. And I want to tell you, uh, some of you are great grandparents here today. I want to tell you, uh, don't seek to be a great great, okay? Uh, I I just want you to say say this. Normally, there's only three generations. That's who we know, three generations. 
We know our grandparents. We might have met our great-grandparents, but we didn't hang out with them. We didn't have this tight relationship. We, you know, we, we heard more stories than we actually experienced, right? But when you think about your, your relationship with your parents and your mom, that was a big deal. It's formative. And maybe as, as you think about you moms, your relationship with your kids, you know them. These are the powerful relationships. And I want to tell you, I want to show you once again, how did this happen? Well, it was modeled and transferred faith. Modeled and transferred faith. Your desire for your kids and your grandkids is what? That you model for them faith? And that they transferred faith. That they have their own I want to encourage you to think about that, to pray about that. How how do we do that? With your finger wagging, most of the time isn't the right way to do it, right? It's not, let me tell you how to live, but let me show you how to live. Let me tell you my failings and tell you of the grace of God. Faith to faith to faith. Lastly, I want to, share with you one last thing we we're created in Proverbs 31 again um, and Proverbs 31 verses 28 and 29 we shared this a little bit I was thinking about this with the kids but Proverbs 31 28 and 29 it says her children rise up and call her blessed her husband also he praises her many women have done excellently but you surpass them all I'm going to point out a couple of things here, just briefly. It says her children and her husband. Why does it say that? How come it doesn't say of this godly woman, this picture of a woman that's beautiful? How come it doesn't say all kids and all men praise her? How come it doesn't say that? Because the point of the creation of a a wife and a mother, the point of that is that she is perfect. She is perfect for them, for them. She's the perfect wife for her husband. She's the perfect mom for her children. And it's not that the whole world even sees it. And it shouldn't be even the desire for a woman to be praised by the whole world. But the idea here is that her family sees, her family sees, and that she was created perfect, best in the world for them. You surpass them all. It's not that there aren't great women all over the world. There's not, it's not that other women don't do incredible things, but who cares? Because it's not my wife and it's not my mom. And that is God's blessing. That was God's creation for, for this world in Adam and Eve. And then for every generation, there would be a husband and wife, that there would be children that know their mom. I want to encourage you ladies, uh, don't look to be um, the best in the world. Uh, look to be the best in the world for your family. 
God, thank you for your creation. Uh, Thank you for moms, the moms here. I ask your blessing on them. I ask that you give them courage and strength, strength and dignity, even as it says in Proverbs, that you give them this joy that sees into the future and and as hope, uh, not because they've got it all together or they've figured it all out, but they, they know that you will prevail. God, help us to rejoice and to cherish the women of Bear Valley Church. And God, we thank you for making this a strong church uh, through them. I thank you for the work that you've done. I thank you for the little ones and the generations. And uh, I thank you for the moms. And I ask that you would help them to have a special day and that you'd guard their hearts against comparison, competition, and uh, that they would... Um, that they'd get lost in the failures, but that they would instead get lost in the failures, get lost in the goodness of you and your grace in their lives and the blessings of this day.